we have these walled gardens of investment opportunities for the wealthy, the uber wealthy. Van Goghs, Picassos, Monets, Manets, Banksy's, Georgia O'Keeffe. And only a select few could participate. Mm. What technology and fractionalization of ownership has done for the rest of us is it has knocked these walls down in a way that you no longer have to have a million dollars or $5 million or $50 million to participate in ownership of one of these cultural assets. This bucket of quote-unquote cultural assets, it sort of started with Michael Jordan sneakers. But is art any different? Is an antique automobile any different? Is a baseball card any different? Is a watch any different? These are real assets. These are things you can see and touch. It's not a security. Yeah. In the traditional sense, it's not ownership in a company. People like to say, well, a Bitcoin isn't going to produce anything. And so therefore, you can't understand its intrinsic value, which like I kind of agree with, by the way, but it doesn't eliminate my confidence in it or belief in it as a better form of currency. With a Picasso, to me, the intrinsic value is the beauty I find in it. And if it's hanging on my wall, the ability to walk by and look at it and smile or study it, but it's not going to produce any money Yeah. until I sell it. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with Michael Jordan sneakers. Yeah. Or a bottle of fine wine. Unless, of course, you cork it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And or drink it. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. Alternative assets are private companies, real estate, private loans, art, collectible automobiles or fancy watches or crypto. Yeah. And so... I knew I wanted to make this investment in the company. And I knew from a duration matching risk reward standpoint, I wanted to use my IRA. And so I had to figure out how to do that mm -hmm. because it was non-obvious, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it took me like eight to 10 weeks. I did all the work and it was expensive to do. And this was an asset. It's a long-term asset. I'm using long-term savings dollars, right? Yeah. Tax advantage dollars. And when you invest in a private company, you got to expect to hold it for 7 to 12 years on average. Mm -hmm. And with the self-directed IRA custodians at the time, they charge an arm and a leg each year to tell the IRS that they're your custodian. Yeah. Not that hard, really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that just drove me fucking nuts. Yeah. And so I had this light bulb moment of this really should not be this complicated. It shouldn't take this long and it shouldn't be this expensive. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know if I was the only person trying to do this or not. So I didn't know if it was an opportunity big enough to try and solve for. And what I found was that 
you know, today we've got 35 plus trillion dollars sitting in retirement accounts and less than 2% invested in alternative assets. So it kind of just met that hurdle of, wow, big enough opportunity to solve for. And that's why we built Alta. Yeah. To get to invest in these, like a REIT, let's say, or some of these other opportunities in energy play, it's something that you might not typically understand. So you need someone else out there. And I've seen on your site that an advisor, right? They can utilize Alto to help their clients out. Is that where most of your business comes from? Or is it an individual that's coming to your site and educating themselves and working perhaps with your team? Like, where is most of your business coming from? Is it in that? You understand the question. I do understand yeah. the question. Yeah. <laughs> most of our business is a direct retail investor today. Okay. It's not coming through the advisor. If you ask me where it's going to be a year from now, it's going to be coming through the advisor. And I say that because the low-hanging fruit in this space has been people who have already been looking for an alternative IRA solution. And we're the answer there. We're faster, we're cheaper, we're better, you know, all the things you got to be in order to win and take market share. What also wasn't the case three years ago, four years ago when we started was that advisors were not looking to add alternative assets to their clients' portfolios. Conventional wisdom was 60-40, stocks, bonds. What I was saying at the time probably sounded a little bit like, you know, some guy waving a sign in the middle of midtown Manhattan, <laughs> the apocalypse is tomorrow. Roll the clock forward a few years, and now advisors are trying to understand alternative assets in part because they see the future, in part because of robo-advising, in part because the mutual fund industry has eaten everything. And so if you're going to differentiate a service for your client, you have to be able to provide something different. Yeah. And that could either be access to alternatives or it could be diligence. It could be help understanding. It could be help uncovering. It could be education. And so I think a lot of advisors today are trying to get 5% portfolio exposure as a starting place into alternative assets for their clients, yeah. for their clients' portfolio. Now, either within or in addition to that, their clients are coming to them saying, I want crypto. I yeah. want crypto. Yeah. Like, how come I don't have any Bitcoin? Right. What are you doing? Why am I paying you? Get me some fucking Bitcoin. And so there are three different ways that you can get crypto exposure at Alto. You can invest directly. Coinbase is our third largest investor, and we have a fully integrated solution. So you, as an investor, can invest directly via Alto, via Coinbase Exchange. You can also invest in a crypto fund manager. And we work with the largest crypto fund managers in the world to accept IRA money. Or we have a partnership via a company called Eaglebrook and Gemini, where your advisor can manage an account for you with Alto, with Eaglebrook, with Gemini. It sounds complicated, but we actually streamline it. You don't see any of that. It's just really easy. Yeah. Well, I could tell. I mean, the site's super clean. I like the look of it. So you have an advisor. I want to have a few questions around this. 
say that Morgan Stanley, LPL, Mass Mutual, they're obviously have strict compliance offices. When it gets into this alternative world, they start freaking out a little bit. Like for an advisor to come on a podcast and even talk about their childhood, like they want to review everything about it. So to get into this space, they're going to freak out. You know, we work with these compliance offices on a daily basis and understand that when they want to do it and it's not their own platform and it's someone else's platform, do those advisors, just curious, do they have the ability to go and work with Alto? So that is an unbelievably awesome question. And I have a very exact answer for you that I cannot share. Okay. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's just my... Because of where we play in the type of advisors and the people that we talk to on a daily basis, I'm just curious how they all think about it. They know the answer, right? If you're working at Mass Mutual or LPL, like you know who to ask to say, hey, I've heard this person on a podcast and I want to go and use their platform. So within a year, that's a broad enough time span. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. A lot happens in a year these days, right? (laughs) A lot happens. This is stuff in progress that I'm talking about that I can't talk about. Sure. We will be embedded in an advisor platform among the names you said. Okay. Very cool. For your retail clients, because so much of it, like you said, is on the retail side of it. So an individual like myself would come in there and invest. What is the... I don't know if you can say this, but like, do you have an average account size? Yeah. The average account size is about $50,000. Okay. Yeah. And it's not required, but that's the average. We're about $1.25 billion on the platform at this point. Okay. About 25,000 customers. Okay. Yeah. I like it. A little bit bigger than zero, a little yeah. bit less than 100 billion. Yeah. yeah. On uh, our way. Yeah, you're doing well. And we're going to bounce around. I'm just curious. So when you're appearing on this podcast, you have your own podcast and it's great. It's always better when I can... If I'm going to talk to somebody, whether it's on a podcast or just in general, I've already seen you talk on a video. I've already heard your voice. I've already read about you. Like <laughs> I don't know everything, but I know enough to have a good conversation and kind of pass some of the other things and I can share a lot of those links in the show notes to say, hey, you want to learn more about Eric? Here's more about Eric. Is that... Do you believe... I'm getting more questions. Do you believe people are finding out about Alto as a result of you being on the podcast? We'll start there. (laughs) I think people are finding out about Alto as a result of me being on your podcast. Okay. And other people's podcasts. You know, the podcast that you're referring to is called The All Together Show. Yep. And I do it because I love talking to people. I love talking to interesting people. And hopefully in our conversation, and I think I have a similar demeanor and approach that you have, which is we're having a conversation. I'm interested in you. I want to know about you and how you kind of got to where you are and why you're the way you are. And so, for example, we launched the podcast yesterday with Jay Clayton, the former SEC commissioner. And he has really interesting background. Yes, he has a lot to say and a lot of important stuff to say, having been the SEC commissioner. And I want people to hear that and be able to benefit from that. But I think Jay is just an interesting guy. And similarly, I did a show yesterday. It'll be published in a few weeks with one of the board members of Mass Mutual, guy by the name of Bill Spitz, who ran Vanderbilt's endowment for many, many years, was one of the early leaders in building a portfolio of alternative assets, not so much 
the public stuff. And so when you think about the endowments, the pension funds, the institutions that led the charge into alternatives, certainly everybody talks about Yale, but Bill and Vanderbilt were right there, the folks at Stanford and Harvard, et cetera. And to get his perspective, which really, it spans 40 years. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, that's a different set of experiences and understanding that you and I have and very different from the generations below us. And by the way, I don't mean to throw you into my age. It's all right. (laughs) You know, you got a lot more hair than I do. But I do the podcast because I love doing the podcast and hopefully people learn from the people I'm talking to. So that's why I do it. But when I go on your show and when I go on other shows, yeah, then hopefully I come off like a decent human being and people feel like they can work with Alto or at least give Alto a chance. Yeah. Does the the three letters ROI ever enter your mind when you're doing a podcast like this? And you're obviously spending your time doing this. You could be doing a lot of other things right now. And obviously, we have a content production company. We help people create their podcasts because I see the benefits. I see the power of it. And it's not just about the money. It's a lot of the things that you're talking about. Like I use the word introspection. You're curious about somebody. You want to learn about something. I want to learn about alternate investments. Who else am I going to talk to, right? There's only so many people that you might even have the ability to talk to. And chances are, if I called you on the phone or sent you an email, we're not talking right now. The only reason we're talking right now is because you all reached out to us to be on the podcast, right? There's So there's leverage in, I get to have these amazing conversations, but going back to that, ROI is like, does that enter your mind when you're doing this? Not in the traditional financial sense of, I pay someone a hundred bucks to get me on a show. And by the way, for all the listeners, I'm not saying it costs a hundred bucks. I'm just using examples. (laughs) I do the hundred bucks and that results in five customers. And uh, like, no, I don't do that math. Yeah. But tangible and intangible results that I'm looking for. Yes, on the tangible side. I am looking for customers to come to the altoira.com website and check us out. And hopefully they see something they like, something that resonates, something that they want to spend more time with, investigate, and ultimately make you know, an alternative asset investment and do it using their IRA for all the tax benefits that come with that. The intangible side is A, I love meeting interesting people. I love people who know how to have and hold a conversation how to lead a conversation. I love engaging in that way. I love what it does for my mind and to have to actually think and hopefully not say, um, 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 every other three seconds. So that, of course, is something that I feel like keeps me engaged in growing the business. It keeps me engaged in my thought. It challenges me every day to rethink what it is we're doing and how we're doing it. And then, of course, there's the intangible of, you know what? The more people who hear about Alto, the more people that will hear about Alto. It's the, and she told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so on and so forth. And so there's a very real but somewhat immeasurable ROI for both me personally and for the company. Yeah. The analytics obviously matter. So if you want those people like the two and the two that go on that you just talked about, 
the downloads, the listens, that matters, right? But in a way, it actually doesn't matter at all, right? Because perhaps it's one person listened and maybe it's a board member at Ohio State University who managed that endowment. Is that one person more valuable than the thousands of listeners that you could have had? It's finding the connectors. Yeah. There's the saying, good news travels by ship, bad news travels by plane. Yeah. I don't think that's true anymore. With podcasts and Twitter, with their new board member, Elon Musk. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Good news can travel faster than bad news today. Mm. It used to not be the case, but it certainly is the case today. The very worst is that they travel at the same speed. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. You mentioned on a podcast that you're on, you talk about long-term growth. You're not talking. You watch my podcast? I did. I did. What's wrong with you? Well, this is the one I actually listened to this one where I picked this one up from. And you talked about, that's funny. You talked about 2030, not 2022, not 2023. Yes. But at the same time, you have a ton of energy. You're building a business. Like you want to get these, these wins that you're talking about. You want to see progress. So it's hard, right? And like, I go through that in the insurance business where I was, it was very transaction oriented, even though the process of selling, say, a life insurance policy at the very basic level could take six weeks is the minimum, but it's still a transaction. What have you done for me lately? How much business did you close this month? To get to that long-term thing, right? That takes patience and understanding. And some of the things you're doing might not generate any money, right? Any return immediately. It might take some years. So like to have that mindset, has that something that's, I don't know, like take that where you want to go with it. But when you think about 2030, and you're probably even thinking beyond that, has that been challenging for you to think that way? Or has that really always been like, hey, I know if I'm going to go to the gym today and work out, it's not going to get the results right now. It's going to take time. I got to keep showing up. It'd be great if you could go to the gym right. just once, right? And, and to walk out the way you want to, yeah, yeah. like the picture <laughs> that you saw in the magazine before you walked was into you. the gym. Yeah. That was- I'm still waiting for that pill. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's a really great question, by the way. I have a saying that you got to be on the field to make plays, which when people talk about entrepreneurship and creating a company and how do you know what to do, the first thing is to just do. It's to get started. And by the way, I'm saying that assuming you've done some homework, you've done some research, you have an understanding that you're building a solution for a real problem, not a solution in search of a problem. There's some evidence of product market need, I'll say. Right? Product market fit is when you build the thing and then people use it. But you get started, you build a thing, And what you knew to be true or what you believed to be true when you started is going to change. It's going to evolve. It may, in fact, be completely wrong. But the fact is you're in the game. Consider yourself the quarterback. You're reading the defense. You call the run. But, you know, a long pass down the field is wide open. And so you got to make the decision as to whether or not you call an audible. And for me, I have a vision for what Alto can be. And I think we can achieve that vision by 2030. So the strategy is to set us in a direction headed towards 
that goal, that goal is way out here. Mm -hmm. But the tactics change. When we started the business, crypto existed, but nobody knew what Bitcoin was. I happen to be an early believer. And I also happen to be a non-believer when it comes to gold as a store of value. And so the idea of Bitcoin and what it could do as a replacement and as a better form of money just sort of intuitively made sense to me. I'm sure that's kind of crazy. But just for whatever reason, my constitution, Bitcoin made intuitive sense to me. And so as it started to become more visible and as Alto was on the playing field, we existed. We had our trust company and people were giving us their money to serve as custodian. It was a no-brainer to say that you ought to be investing in this, what is going to be this long-term asset using your IRA. It's still subject to capital gains, but not if it's in your IRA. <laughs> yeah. And so basically, I went hard after Coinbase. And it took me about two years to get the partnership with Coinbase. But that's just an example of where that sort of activity was not something that was originally planned, but it pays for a lot of stuff. Yeah. The crypto IRA business is, it's a big business and it's a profitable business and it allows us to build all the other things that we believe are core to what 2030 is for Alto. And this is where I say it's better to be lucky than good again. <laughs> Got to catch a break. The Coinbase arrangement, I guess, keeps you on that path and pays for you to do a lot of the things that you're continuing to work on, it sounds like. Yes, it does. Yeah, which is what, you know, a lot of times when you have a passion for something, like if you're an artist, you need some money to pay f to keep the lights on, to pay for your supplies, right? So you can continue to do the thing that you have this passion for. And playing the game, right? Like when we first got on, I saw this picture of you at a Predators game, right? Predators try to win the Stanley Cup every year. Yes. Chances are they're not going to win it. Nothing against the Predators, right? I'm except, a for this year. except for this year. I'm a Sabres fan, right? They've never won it and they won't be winning it this year for sure. But anyway, <laughs> it's a little frustrating when they're really bad and things aren't going well. And that's for years and years and years. But this aim of this ultimate prize in sports, it's different, right? Because... Not everyone can win, only one team can win. When you get to 2030, if things maybe haven't hit or maybe your 2030 date had to change because another pandemic comes or there's a new current, right? All these different things come about. It sounds to me like you have this aim of 2030. The game's going to start. The game plan is going to change throughout because it just has to because you just didn't know like a football game, right? The weather, all of a sudden it starts snowing and you didn't expect it anyway. Or your team just is playing lights out. What happens at that point, and you can't foresee the future, but a lot of what you're talking about here is vision. How are you managing that to think that? Because maybe that 2030 vision, I don't know if it came pre-pandemic, but how do you look at that when you come to the end of it and say, well, maybe we didn't win the Stanley Cup this year, but does that mean that the season was a completely lost cause? I doubt it, but what do you think? I think the answer is maybe a little bit different than the question. I don't think 2030 changes. 
I think what happens is that in 2025, I start talking about 2040. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's going to be based on what happened between today and 2025. And I can tell you that I sent, we shipped a really important piece of technology last week. And we created a new sandbox and we have a new set of APIs and we share that with our first beta partner, Sandbox Access. And I sent an email to the team saying that last Friday was a huge day in Alto's history. It's the first step to 2030. First meaningful technology leap forward step towards Alto 2030. We have been building, we have everything on Alto has worked on what's called a monolithic platform, which is, I like to call it the Death Star, mm. right? Which is, you know, the Death Star takes a hit anywhere and the whole thing just blows up. <laughs> well, it's really hard to code and to iterate and to do new features and products and releases if you make a mistake on this one thing that has nothing to do with something on the entire other side, but the whole thing just stops working. That's, that, that's not a good way to move forward. <laughs> and so this technology was this first step in our migration to what's referred to as a service-oriented architecture, which basically means you can iterate and develop and build continuously on different products and features in parallel simultaneously. And even if you totally fuck something up over here, the stuff on the other side is unaffected. And so that's the first major shift for us in terms of achieving what we believe to be the vision for 2030. Now, I can tell you already, and it's really interesting that you asked me about advisors early on. We have roadmapped an entire advisor solution that will kick ass. And we weren't seeing the demand for it. And so it's been sitting on a shelf for probably six to nine months now. Well, guess what? The advisor community, as we were talking about, has caught up with an understanding of a need for alternative assets, including crypto. We're dusting the whole advisor thing off the shelf. And it's getting back into the roadmap. And so that's a tactical shift, right? That's calling a new play at the line of scrimmage. It's already in the playbook. Right. It's already part of the late vision, but we're saying it needs to happen sooner, not later. And so by the time we get to 2025, I don't know what the next crypto is. Yeah. Right. I mean, People say Web3 a lot without really knowing what Web3 means. But are companies going to go away and everything's going to be a DAO? I mean, I don't think so, but it could be. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think you're right because you just you use some words, Web3, DAO. But it's interesting because you, you brought the advisors thing back up. It's different. Well, there's two main things I see. is like media and tech, like the coding that you're talking about. You're participating in all of it, which I love. And then these advisors. So if we're in the insurance business and all of a sudden we're starting to create content, which we did, started blogging. And then we all of a sudden have a podcast. People in the insurance space looked at us like, 
what why what are you doing you can't do that that's not allowed or like that's stupid it's like doctors and lawyers advertising right (laughs) and we thought well maybe they would hop on board with it well no these are the people that would never have an iphone right i'll never own an iphone until everyone did but maybe they were the laggard community and that's fine like you said you had to put it on a shelf and, and then you maybe dust it off they're coming around to the idea of investing and using an alto and doing these alternate investments and that's starting to happen. So you're seeing that thing play out. This is the constant change. But it's just interesting because I've seen the same experience in a different way to say, why would a life insurance agent, why would a financial advisor even have a podcast? Why would they create any sort of content? Why wouldn't they just cold call everybody or form relationships with business owners and sell them their services or products, whatever? It's fascinating though, because I've seen it where crypto comes up in a conversation or why would anyone invest in a pair of sneakers? that Michael Jordan wore, right? Cultural assets, we call them. Yeah. And now people are still questioning it, right? But they're also coming on board with it as well. Do they question baseball cards? Do they question the Babe Ruth baseball card? I mean, probably not because that's what they were used to. But I bet you their parents did. Picasso, Van Gogh? Right. But that was something that they were used to because... Society had agreed that this had a value. So you had 100% of everybody was all in on that. Go ahead. I have a slightly different take. I agree with you, by the way. But I have a slightly different take, which is that we had these walled gardens of investment opportunities for the wealthy, the uber wealthy. Van Goghs, Picassos, Monets, Manets, Banksy's, George O'Keefe. And Only a select few could participate. Mm. What technology and fractionalization of ownership has done for the rest of us is it has knocked these walls down in a way that you no longer have to have a million dollars or $5 million or $50 million to participate in ownership of one of these cultural assets. This bucket of quote-unquote cultural assets, it sort of started with Michael Jordan sneakers. But is art any different? Is an antique automobile any different? Is a baseball card any different? Is a watch any different? These are real assets. These are things you can see and touch. It's not a security. Yeah. In the traditional sense, it's not ownership in a company. People like to say, well, a Bitcoin isn't going to produce anything. And so therefore, you can't understand its intrinsic value, which like, I kind of agree with, by the way, but it doesn't eliminate my confidence in it or belief in it as a better form of currency. With a Picasso, to me, the intrinsic value is the beauty I find in it. And if it's hanging on my wall, the ability to walk by and look at it and smile or study it, but it's not going to produce any money yeah. until I sell it. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with Michael Jordan sneakers. Yeah. Or a bottle of fine wine. Unless, of course, you cork it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And or drink it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I agree with that. And you said fractionalized, and you're hearing that a lot, right? Because you look at the price of Bitcoin or you look at how many people can own. Like there was a time when only one person could have that pair of sneakers. Well, now we could all buy, you and I could both buy shares in it along with many other people and whatever other thing that we want to do. And it's fascinating too, because 
I see my own kids. I see my daughter pulling up these sneakers online and then she's fascinated by them and she wants to learn about them and she studies them and she goes to these marketplaces and she's reading about them and she's sharing this. That can't be bad unless you go and spend all your money on something, right? But maybe that's a good thing to spend your money on because now you're buying an asset, let's say, but fractionalized. Like when that term, when you hear that's being thrown, there's just a lot of words that are being used right now, right? And that's the learning curve that I think everyone has. I don't think anyone truly understands exactly where these things are going. It's just like, let's continue to have conversations and learn about this and talk to the people that like yourself that can share with us, like rationalize, like when did you come to see that and understand and say, this is something. So fractionalize is a fancy word and it has to do with accessibility. And by the way, I think this creates an opportunity for you to have a broader, more meaningful conversation with your daughter about investing as opposed to just buying a pair of sneakers. Mm -hmm. And the conversation or lesson can go in many different directions with respect to broader investing themes. Whereas individuals can now together invest in, own a Babe Ruth, baseball card or Hank Aaron or an antique automobile or a fancy Rolex watch or Michael Jordan sneakers, we also have fractionalization in the public stock markets. You no longer have to buy a whole share of Amazon or Netflix or Tesla. You can buy a fractional share. The capability was always there. It just wasn't easy and it wasn't cost effective. And technology has changed that. The other not so fancy and not so technical way of doing that is to do what Tesla just did, announce a stock split. So if a stock is at $1,200 a share and people believe that they have to buy a whole share, and by the way, I'm not making a four argument for buying fractional shares of a stock, by the way. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm not saying it's a good idea. You're just educating. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just educating you. <laughs> so Tesla, and we're going to use somewhat easy math. Tesla's trading at $1,000 a share. And there are 100 shares outstanding. And we're going to ignore debt for a second. Okay. So we're not getting into enterprise value. We're just going to talk about equity value. Theoretically, the value of the Tesla I just described is $1,000 a share times 100 shares. So $100,000. Tesla, in their infinite wisdom, says, you know what? Very few people can buy a $1,000 share. We're going to do a 100 for one stock split which means instead of having 100 shares outstanding, we're going to have 10,000 shares outstanding. And each share now is only going to cost $10. So now I have a $10 stock and 10,000 shares. The equity value has not changed. It's still $100,000. Yeah. But what's so interesting about the psychology of this is because there are way more people who can own a $10 stock than people who can own a $1,000 stock. People pile into the market 
and they start trying to buy a share of Tesla stock. And so the demand for that single share, which ought to still be worth $10, in this real-life example from Tesla, is all of a sudden worth $20 because people are trying to buy it. Yeah. Nothing changed about the company. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that changed was the price of the stock, right? Yep. The equity value remained the same. But because it, it became more accessible to more people, supply stays the same, demand drives the price up. That's where I think we need to be careful. Okay. So you're obviously seeing this in these new things with crypto, and then we're starting to get into NFTs and cultural assets like we talked about. I put NFT yeah. in the cultural asset bucket, by the way. You also do. not okay. commenting on whether or not anyone should buy an NFT. Okay. So I would imagine then, well, I just brought up that word and we go that direction. If we want to buy an NFT, we're not using Alto at this time for that. Is there any sort of connection with that? Does OpenSea... Sure. Okay. Yes. But so we're at a stage in size now where we have to diligence all the legal ramifications of everything that's happening in the crypto space in terms of staking and NFTs and what it means for the retail IRA investor and what happens downstream. And so it is very much on the near-term roadmap. I can't tell you exactly when it's going to launch. Fair. Mainstream. So that's kind of the direction this is going when you have these conversations and people can understand, well, if I want to buy shares in Tesla, like, how do I understand it? How do I do it? Well, it's pretty easy if you get a TD Ameritrade account, a Charles Schwab account, you can go and buy the stocks. Right? It's still, there's some complexity to it, but not as much as you would have with some of these alternate assets, which is why you're out here educating people, have the system, have the coding behind it to like make this thing work so I can get on there and I can handle this thing because I might not as understand it as much as you do. When does this, because when you talk about crypto and you're using Coinbase and all these different things that are out there, it gets complicated. When do you think, you talk a lot about vision, when do you think this is more mainstream where it's never going to be for everybody, but it's way more for the masses than it ever was? So let's put this into perspective. I think in total, in the world right now, I think we only have something like 600,000 NFTs, maybe. I'm going to mess up my numbers, but it's like 600,000 NFTs sitting in 450,000 different wallets. That's not a lot. Mm -hmm. The NFTs are nowhere right now. Yeah. They've gotten a lot of headlines and people spent a lot of money. But, you know, you were stumbling over MetaMask, which is arguably the most popular crypto wallet. This podcast is going to be the first time a lot of your listeners have ever heard the name MetaMask. Yeah. I think within five years, maybe three, not sure, anybody's guess, I think we're going to see exponential growth in the number of individuals with crypto wallets. And then the next thing that has to happen is the ability to message between wallets. The idea, by the way, that everything is anonymous is a bunch of bahooey. Mm -hmm. It ain't. <laughs> like, it is all trackable. Yeah. Okay. 
there's way more bad stuff happening with actual physical dollars and dark money, you know, with US backed currency than there is in crypto. So you're saying, because people are concerned, and I had a podcast about this where like the security of your crypto wallet or your assets, like there's a lot of trouble there, but there's actually a lot of trouble in the current format that we're living in, correct? Is that? So I think wallet security is a huge area that requires a significant amount of attention and focus. Right. And that's going to continue to happen for years. I don't want to diminish that in any way. Sure. What I'm saying is that there are way more bad actors acting badly with more dollars in fiat currency as we know it today than in crypto. Got it. Yep. We see it. I mean, you see it on a daily basis <laughs> with all the fraud that's out there. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. But we can wrap this up. And I mean, first of all, I guess understanding where we can learn about you, your company, your podcast, all of that. Well, I think it's more interesting to learn about the company, which is altoira.com. A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com. And if you're interested in learning about alternative asset classes and sectors, industries, and opportunities, we have, I think, 80 plus different investment platform partners that you can discover and then research from the Alto platform, including, as we've talked about, Coinbase and crypto. And then I believe in real names. And so whether it's on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever else on social media, I just go by Eric Satz. I know it's boring. I'm just not smart enough to come up with like some really cool handle. (laughs) Well, that's where the anonymous that you mentioned, like in your wallet, like it doesn't have to be your name. It could be your handle, like you said. They won't know who you are but they can see the assets, the NFTs that you own. No different than if you go to some of these other asset places where you can see like what basketball shoes does this individual own, which becomes something that we get into with Web3 and we have another conversation. We can... I got notes everywhere here and I'm fascinated by this. I know you're busy. I do. I really appreciate like the time and the, just the openness of this type of conversation. Like I said, if no one listens to us, I got a lot out of it. And I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. And like you said, I've heard your podcast. I've heard you talk to people. We just want to learn, right? You just want to have these types of conversations. So I think it's awesome when people like you who have an understanding of assets and money and finance and where we're going and vision, get on and share it and not get caught up in, okay, what is this going to deliver for me? So after someone listens to this podcast, how many downloads do I get? How many people are going to go to my website and become a member, right? Or deposit money. But anyway... I do appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed being here. One of my favorite things about our Sportsypreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sportsypreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sportsypreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. CASCM is our content production company. Why content? It's simple. Content brings people together. I've seen it play out over and over, and I want to help others explore and discover this for themselves. The experience is totally worth it. Learn more at CASCM.com. We focus on podcasts and writing, one piece of content at a time. It all starts with conversations just like this one.